Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. Well, hey, welcome to Grace Point Church this morning. Um, My name is Caleb Gabrelli, and I am one of the associate pastors here of our Global Advancement Uh, just our missions ministry, how we care for the community. Um, And I I love this church, and I love that we get to celebrate this morning our freedom. One thing that you should know about me as we get going is that I have never been a history buff. Um, Sometimes I have to refresh on why our national holidays ever became a national holiday to begin with and why we celebrate those. But with tomorrow being the 4th of July, the day that we call Independence Day or Fireworks Day or whatever your family calls it, I understand that America declared its independence from Great Britain. Now, what's foggy and all the things that I can't ever recall are all those little specifics And maybe you think you're a history buff, but maybe go Google some of the specifics and you might find, ooh, I'm kind of confused on a little bit of this as well. But some of the specifics that get really gray for me are like the day that it was actually declared. Was it July 2nd? Was it the 3rd? Was it the 4th? Adopted, declared, what's the difference? The day that the the Declaration of Independence was actually drafted? I'm not sure. How many copies there actually are? Ooh, good question. I kind of forgot that a little bit. But one thing that I do recall is that over the past couple of weeks, I was serving with a team of people from Grace Point Church, an incredible team in a country that a hundred years after the Declaration of Independence gifted us a statue that represents liberty. And that statue currently resides in the New York Harbor and has become known worldwide as a symbol for freedom. This weekend, as we celebrate and we recognize our freedom, our independence as a nation, um, through the years, families began recognizing specific freedoms with it. And so we, we, we started with our independence, and then we just started every year, I, at least for my family, even being appreciative for the specific freedoms that we have in our country. And a lot of the little things that we even just take for granted, like being here this morning and having the freedom to worship. Having the freedom to own a Bible and have the word of God and not be persecuted for that or face imprisonment. Being able to share our faith with others and that not be something that we could go to prison for. This weekend, we're going to grill hot dogs, bratwurst, we're going to eat cheeseburgers, we're going to have watermelon, we're going to blow up fireworks, but let us not forget the freedom that we have in Christ. The reason why we came this morning and we gathered together as a church Yes, recognizing the freedom of our nation, but also reflecting in the freedom that Christ provided. And so this morning, I would like to provide some really simple, simple aspects of the gospel. Taylor and the band has already entered us into a mode of worship and the good news and what the gospel actually is and what we are free from. But this morning, if you're taking notes, and I would encourage you to because they're not super complex But these serve as little reminders that you could pull up on your phone or in a notepad if you keep that and just see at different times in your life, man, who makes us free? What really makes me free? What am I even free from? What do I do with this freedom? And then the fourth thing that we're going to look at this morning is why in the world do we make this so complicated? And so take some notes this morning. We're going to work through each one of those. 
But something else that you should know about me, aside from the fact that I'm not a history buff, is that I like to keep things really simple. Just really cut and dry, really simple. This isn't complex. But the good news, the gospel. So when you guys hear the gospel, I'm referring to this as the good news, the truth that God did something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves is something that I will preach every single time I'm given the opportunity. It's why I love what I do. It's why I love discipleship, just to get to the simplicity of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. Freedom as a nation for for this country, man, it may have taken years and years to acquire. It may take forever to maintain But the answer to our very first question this morning of what makes us free is Jesus. That's it. Jesus makes us free. Jesus Christ and Christ alone is what makes us free. His perfect life, his sacrificial death, his resurrection is what makes us free. If we could pause for just a moment and we could think back to the very beginning of the Bible where we find this account of creation and what happened within a framework of seven days, we quickly shift into this mess that Adam and Eve ushered into the rest of time known as sin. And because of sin, there became a curse and an understanding of good and evil. And there became an end to human life known as death. And there are so many other details mixed into the curse of sin that would now be upon all of mankind. But ultimately, people would now be separated from God. No longer living in a perfect harmony, perfection was broken. God, being perfect and holy and righteous, he could no longer be in the presence of anything that wasn't. But he had a plan. And one day, he would come to the earth in the form of man. He would be born of a virgin named Mary. He would live a perfect life. He would die on our behalf. He would die as a sacrifice that would provide enough blood to cover all of the sins before us, all of the sins during us, all of the sins into the future of us. And then our pure and spotless lamb, Jesus, would come back to life by defeating death once and for all. Jesus makes us free. And if you're here this morning and you're questioning whether or not you need or you needed to be made free to begin with, then look no further than Romans 3.23 that says, all have sinned, everyone, and fall short of the glory of God. No one is perfect. No one is without excuse. Everyone has sinned. The only way to be flawless, the only way to be worthy in God's eyes is to be without sin. So there has to be something. There has to be some way. There has to be someone to provide the ability for us to be perfect. On our own, this is impossible. There is no amount of good moral living. There is no amount of righteous behavior. There are not enough good deeds. There are not enough acts of love and community service to remove sin, and to be seen in God's eyes as perfect. God God knew this. God knows this. 
This is the beauty of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. When I say he accomplished something for us that we couldn't accomplish for ourselves, it's this freedom. Jesus makes us free. Jesus makes us perfect because when we have his spirit residing within us, when we have his Holy Spirit in our lives, God sees us as righteous and God sees us as holy because when God sees me, He sees Jesus because of what Jesus did on my behalf. Tell yourself this morning, if you've claimed Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, God sees me as perfect. This morning, let's let's say that out loud, as uncomfortable as that may be. God sees me as perfect. Say it with confidence. God sees me as perfect. Some of you, you don't believe it still, or it's like, oh, that feels weird saying that. Like, that doesn't feel good. Like, I'm not perfect. I was fighting on the way here. I was thinking thoughts I shouldn't have on the way here. I didn't even want to be here this morning. You have no idea what I did last night. Say it again. God sees me as perfect. That's better. You know why? Because when he sees you, he doesn't see you in your mess. He sees Jesus. When you've accepted Christ into your life and you said, I can't do it on my own, there's this spirit that takes up a dwelling within us And God now sees Jesus when he sees you. Say it again. God sees me as perfect. As I was reflecting on the good news, the gospel, and I'm not trying to sound super spiritual and all crazy Christian-like because I'm not, but I just, I think about the gospel all the time, different activities that my family participates in, places that I go as we're worshiping or I hear a song, as I see just life being lived out, I think about the good news and what God did for us. And uh, my wife and I have a a little girl named Alyssa. She's about seven and a half years old, and she loves the sport of gymnastics. And I think it was about a year and a half ago, she started really loving the sport of gymnastics and got into competitive gymnastics. And so I started thinking, as I had a ton of time at gymnastics meets, to think about the gospel as I was seeing gymnastics unfold. And Alyssa loves this specific event in gymnastics called floor or floor routine. Raise your hand if you're familiar with this. Everyone knows Simone Biles, right? Yeah, superstar of floor routine for sure. But as I was thinking about Alyssa, I thought about the thousands upon thousands of little gymnasts just like Alyssa who compete time after time, and they do this floor routine over and over and over again for an entire season. And so the little gymnasts and also the parents that go to all the gym meets, you're listening to the same music, and you're seeing the same movements, and you're seeing the same performance hundreds upon hundreds of times. And when you're talking about Alyssa or little gymnasts that aren't Olympians, You're talking about specific levels. And when they've conquered a certain level, they move up the next season. I believe Alyssa just moved from a level three to a level four. It's different than Simone Biles. But when you're at certain levels, you are given the floor routine that you will learn and you will perform. You are given the music that goes with it. And so this specific event in this sport, there is a 40 foot by 40 foot floor. That's what it measures. And all the little gymnasts have about a minute and a half to demonstrate their artistic and their athletic abilities with a song and a series of movements that have been selected for them. And so, like I said, over and over and over, for hours upon hours, every week they practice these same movements to the same music for the same minute and a half to work towards perfection. So when it's time to perform, 
when it's go time, they go out in front of those judges at these competitions and they want their every single movement to be as near perfect as it can be so they can be considered worthy of a medal as they compete against other athletes trying to conquer the exact same achievement as they choreograph the exact same routine to the exact same song in the exact same performance. And I'm not, I'm not trying to bash the sport or anything this morning. I'm just comparing it to the freedom that we have in the gospel. I understand all of us love different sports and they're ruled with different rules and silliness of rules. It's why we created instant replay because man and the judgment is so messed up. Whenever I was a kid, I was obsessed with a sport where when you really break it down, there is a man on a pile of dirt who tries to throw a ball past the dude that's holding a bat and the guy with that bat tries to hit that ball out into the field, run across these bases in a diamond shape, getting to this plate embedded in the dirt before the guys in the field get him ruled out. It's just silly sports that man creates for our entertainment. But when I think about how this specific sport works, gymnastics, at this level of competition, essentially, Alyssa and all these gymnasts, they begin with a perfect score. That's how they start, which at her age is a 10. And what the judges are doing is they're making deductions as these little gymnasts perform the event. So all of them, they're not competing to earn points. It's basically just the opposite. They are competing, trying not to lose their perfect status. They are trying everything within their athletic ability to maintain perfection in the eyes of these judges and be good enough to receive a perfect score, which, mind you, is nearly impossible. I did some some Google research just to see in the history of this sport with Olympians who are judged a little differently. Now they have like execution and difficulty scores. I think Simone Biles is like competing for a 17. So the sport has changed. But in floor routine, I was like, I wonder if anyone's ever received a perfect score. And basically what I could find on the Googles was the answer to that is no. People have gotten so close. But in the Olympics, I couldn't find that any Olympian had ever maintained perfection. What a sport, right? What a competition, trying to maintain, trying to achieve a perfect 10. Or as the higher levels compete, trying to balance this execution and difficulty score and be the best. I I think life can be pretty difficult. I think executing out on living a perfect life has proved to be pretty hard. Can you imagine? If our lives were judged by a panel of men and women who alone determined whether we were fit to stand on a podium when it was all said and done, what makes us free? Jesus makes us free. Jesus makes us perfect in God's eyes, not the judgment of mankind, not all of the rules and the regulations and the perimeters that man puts in place. Those can get borderline Pharisee type of religion. And suddenly we can find ourselves almost religious works-based. Jesus makes us free. Now along with that, it's important to note what we're free from. 
So Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. That's Romans 8, 1 and 2. We are free from needing to be perfect. Jesus took care of that. He covered the bill. Death was arrested. He paid our debt. We are free from the punishment of sin and death. We don't have to pay the consequences of our sin. I'm going to say that again. We don't have to pay the consequences of our sin. We don't have to suffer the due consequences of our mistakes and our imperfection and our sin. We don't get deductions. Praise God for that. We're free from that condemnation. And trust me, whenever I say that Jesus allows us to go from death to life, if you are a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus didn't make your story go from pretty messy and pretty bad to good. Your story, your testimony, your journey is not one that went from like, man, I was in a mess and like, Jesus just really got me to kind of where I am now. No, let me, let me clarify. Jesus moved you from someone who was dead and gave you life. Like breathing breath and life into a dead corpse. Jesus moved you from death to life. This is important to note. I don't want to confuse anyone here today. Our human life existence will still come to an end. But following that, Jesus, because he resurrected, he will resurrect us. We will experience new life in Christ. We will have eternal life with God in heaven. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe because you've never really understood sin and death, maybe because you're intimidated by religion, so you've just stayed away from church, you've stayed away from, just you avoid these conversations, they make you uncomfortable, I'm just going to be really real with you. Super transparent. God wants you to receive the freedom that we are singing about this morning. God wants you to receive this this freedom, this salvation that we are talking about this morning. He longs for this. That's ultimately his desire for your life to receive freedom and the salvation that he has offered through Christ. And it's not a guarantee that your life won't have obstacles. It's not a guarantee that you won't face difficulty after difficulty, but it is a guarantee that you will be restored back to a perfect relationship with you because when God sees you, he will see Jesus in the holiness and the righteousness and the perfection of his son. The next question is why? Why have we been freed? Why would God do this? Why would God give up his one and only son for, for this mess called me? Again, I like to keep things pretty simple because I think that the answer here is really simple. The answer to our second question, I believe, is love. These aren't deep notes, but some of you need to write this down. And you need to be reminded in times when your life is really down that Jesus makes you perfect. And why? Because God loves you. Just because God loves me. In the darkest moments, God loves me. He cares for his creation. He wants us to love him. 
He longs for relationship. Don't miss out on the best relationship that you could ever have. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 says this. As for you, and maybe as you've turned there in your Bibles or you just hear me speak this, maybe replace it with as for me. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But... Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by faith, it is by grace that you have been saved. More scripture, 2 Timothy 1.9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. John 3, 16. Our God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He so loved us. Last one. 1 John 4, 9 says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, for our mess, for our junk. God freed us from the bondage of sin and death Because he loves us. He is our God. And we are his people. So what do we do with this freedom? Like, I get it. Jesus makes us perfect. He loves us. Let's get to the doing part. I I love that part. Let's go do, 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 right? What do we do with this freedom? Colossians chapter 2. That's so cool. We were just there this morning, I think, in verse 14 as we were worshiping. But I'm going to back up to verse 6 and 7 and work through a few verses here. What do we do with this freedom? Colossians 2, 6 and 7. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. That's a lot of what we do with this freedom. That's a lot of it right there. And it's less stressful because we don't don't have to worry about being perfect since he was perfect in our place. Continue to follow him. Build your lives on him. Church, our entire existence should keep building upon the gospel message, the good news, not rules, not judgment, not trying to perform and maintain a perfect score. 
that perfect score, it's gone, trust me. From the moment we entered into the world, in some way, it was just immediately gone. Not just yesterday when we really messed up. Not a few years ago when we were at a really tough point in our lives. Your perfect score, it's history. The only way it's coming back is by accepting that only Jesus makes you perfect. So what else do we do with this freedom as we follow him? We overflow with thankfulness. We overflow with this urgency to share this freedom with others. At Grace Point Church, we believe that we are called to live as people who are sent. You ever wonder where we get that? Like why we say that every single Sunday as we wrap up our worship service, we say, go and live sent. And so many of us, we might forget it from here to the car or certainly here to the lunch place or certainly here to the workplace. But we say it again and again and again and we keep it in front of ourselves because we are called to be people who live sent. Here's where we get it from. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, there's a passage, and it says this in verses 14 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. I'm going to pause there for just a second as we're going to read what Paul wrote. It's Christ's love that compels us. That's what drives us. That's what motivates us, not to be better people, not to be better Christians, not because it's what we're supposed to do because we say live sin, not because I need to check the box of a certain amount of attendance on Sundays or small groups or serving in the church or going on global adventures or doing community service, none of that. It's Christ's love that compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all. Here's why. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. That the, the old messy part that just, the enemy wants to keep in your brain. Paul says right here, the old is gone, the new is here. The new has come. Verse 18, all of this, it's from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And here's what it is, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Praise God. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So every week, In this church, we remind ourselves to go and live as people who've been sent out. People who've accepted the love of Christ and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. If that's you and you are one of those people, then you are called to be an ambassador. You are called to be a representative. Here's how we sum this up. We simply say, go and live as someone who's been sent. Go and show, go and share Jesus. 
With who? With the everyday people. How, how do I do that? In everyday conversations. Go and live as people who have been sent out. Why? Because those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's what we do with this freedom. We live for him. We we don't go out and live for us. John 3, verse 30. He must become greater. I must become less. We are continually updating this portion of our webpage, gracepointchurch.net. If you go there, look under the ministries tab, and you will find this little tab that says Live Sent, and click on that. Gracepointchurch.net, ministries tab, go to Live Sent. Right now, I believe that you can get information on The Call. The Call is an incredible organization in northwest Arkansas that works with DHS to help alleviate this foster care situation, the shortage of homes. Uh, the turnover rate of foster parents that open their home and then close it because of hard experiences. You can go explore everything on our, on our webpage with the call and figure out maybe God's like leading me to be a part of the call. Also on that Live Sent tab, there is a, uh, there's an opportunity to explore joining one of our short-term global adventures, our short-term missions teams. There's a team of women that is going to serve in Athens, Greece, with women who've been trafficked and have been rescued. And you can check that out. There's a, there's a team that's forming for October. There's a blended team that's forming to go to Athens in January. Maybe God is calling you to represent him with um, an international people group, going on an international trip, gain some worldview, some different perspective. Uh, there's another one that I'm going to give you a heads up on because we are months out from this, but it's so cool. It's on our website. Uh, we're working with an organization in Fayetteville called Furniture Friends. And maybe some of you have heard it. It's been around for a long time. And we've been talking with them. And they take donated furniture and they give it away and they outfit um, homes and apartments of internationals through students and families at the U of A that have reached out to Furniture Friends and said, I have no furniture. And they go on a waiting list and furniture is given through Furniture Friends. Furniture Friends uses churches because it's faith-based organization and people who love Jesus to deliver this furniture knowing that it is an inroad to having conversations with an international. Because many of us in the room, we know that the nations are coming here. We know we hear at church that unreached people are here living in northwest Arkansas, connected back to their countries to unreached people groups, and we don't know how to start conversations with them. You check out our webpage, you can look at your group, your small group, or your family working with furniture friends one weekend in October or one weekend in November, or one week in December. We took all three of them, said, we want all those. Our people will respond. And they need trucks and trailers and willing hands and feet just to carry furniture in to a home of someone who lives across the big pond. And they do a quick little training because the opportunity will happen to share about the faith that you have. Because everyone is spiritual. Everyone is seeking to worship something higher than themselves. And so through Furniture Friends, you could have an opportunity to connect with an international who wants to know a reason for the hope that you have. And it's so strategic, too, because October and November and December, what do we do in those months? We move into holiday time. And you know how many internationals have never been in the home of an American, let alone, like, experience a Thanksgiving meal or been a part of Christmas and why we celebrate that? 
Look at getting your family or your small group together. Connect with Furniture Friends through our website. Contact me. The information's there. Go deliver furniture and see how you could start a conversation with someone who lives overseas and maybe worships 10 million gods or false gods. We have so many opportunities through our church. We have so many opportunities within our church to connect with others who don't know Jesus and to live as those who do know Jesus because when we are living like those who do know Jesus, our lives reflect that. Our lives look less like we are concerned for all the things that we want and our flesh can tend to strive for and more like selfless people who are concerned for the hurting and the under-resourced and the broken and the less fortunate and for people who've never heard the gospel. And so live in freedom. Live to bring glory to the Father. Represent Christ in all that you do. Don't turn towards religion and get caught up in that. Rather, live in relationship and your faith will go strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Thank you, Paul, for giving us that charge. Finally, our our last question. Why in the world do we make this so complicated? Man, why do we make this freedom thing is so hard, so complicated? I'm going to keep going with that passage in Colossians chapter 2. We work through verse 6 and 7. I'm going to read through verses 8 and 10 in the message version. So, so hear this, okay? This is what it says. Watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything They spread their ideas through the empty traditions of human beings and the empty superstitions of spirit beings. But that's not the way of Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in him so you can see and hear him clearly. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. When you come to him, that fullness comes together for you too. And his power extends over everything. Some of you have likely experienced some form of that. I just got back from being with an incredible team from Grace Point over the past couple weeks. We were serving in a project in France. I alluded to that. We were offering the Bible in Arabic to North African Muslims many of which spoke enough English to argue and try to debate that Jesus was just a prophet and nothing more. And quick commercial here, you heard Taylor mention it. If you want to hear more details about that team and what we did and what God did in us, if you want to hear more details about the team that just got back from Poland, if you want to hear more details about the team traveling back from Zambia that arrives back home today, then mark your calendars for a week from tomorrow evening. Come up here at the church. 6.30, I believe, is when we're going to start. And what we call that is a Global Adventure 360, where we just look at the trip from every different perspective and angle and let you guys ask questions and understand what God is doing around the world, not just here in Northwest Arkansas. But some application from that passage of Scripture there that I just read. Watch out for anyone like this, is what he's saying. Hence the strong encouragement to walk in Christ and be rooted and be built up and be established in faith. That part of verses 8 through 10 that really gets me is when he said, you don't need a telescope. You don't need a microscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. Let me tell you, that emptiness is real. 
Someone can be so well-versed in debate and the education of their religion, but no amount of knowledge and crafty arguments compared to the hope and the joy that we possess as followers of Jesus who've been filled with his spirit. Even while serving with the team over the past couple of weeks, we were toe-to-toe with a man who was shaming Muslims for even being interested in receiving this free gift, this free Bible that was written in their language. And many of those people who accepted this gift as they're passing by in their cars, they had it removed from their car because this one particular man would shame them and he would reach into their car and he would grab out this packet and he would yell in front of them and shame them in front of all of their family and friends and other Muslims that were boarding these ships and he would take it from them. And we live in a free country with the freedom to own and read a Bible. Come here, details a week from Monday. But why do we complicate this? Why do we complicate just how easy freedom and salvation is? Why do we complicate what we're called to do with this? We make it really hard. I think sometimes we get caught up in trying to just perfect the perfect journey on our own. Like, okay, I've got, I've got to do this. I've got to do this for God. I've got to do this. You know, sometimes gymnasts just like my daughter, Alyssa, they, they kind of get bored of the parameters that have been laid before them. I mean, they've been given the instructions on how to do the event, but they go out there on that floor routine and they think, I'm going to add my own little sassiness to this move. I'm going to twirl my hand this way. I'm going to do some extra stuff for these judges. I think I found a better way. And it's crazy because we've been gifted salvation through Christ and Christ alone. But man has decided to create and add all these different stipulations, all these different pathways and religious beliefs outside of the living and active word of God. And what's really scary is that it's not just different religions. It exists within just various denominations as you leave this church. It can exist in our church. It can exist in our lives as we complicate the simple gospel and we put rules and regulations in place that God isn't asking us to. J.D. Greer, author and pastor, many of you have read the book that he wrote, which is called Gospel. And he has this gospel prayer that I love in there. And it says this, he says, in Christ... There is nothing I can do that would make you love me more. And there's nothing I have done that makes you love me less. Your presence and your approval are all I need for everlasting joy. As you have been to me, so I will be to others. And as I pray, I'll measure your compassion by the cross and your power by the resurrection. In Christ, there's nothing I can do that would make you love me more. There's nothing I have done that makes you love me less. We've got to stop complicating this. We've got to rest in the good news of Jesus and understand on a day-to-day basis that we are free from the punishment of sin and death. And we've got to begin loving others with grace and humility and sharing this gift with those who don't know Jesus. What makes us free? Jesus. Why have we been freed? Because there is a God who loves you. And what do we do with this freedom? We live sent. 
We represent Christ. We go and make disciples. We love God. We love others. Why do we make this so complicated? Because I think we get in the way. And we tend to think that there are ways that we can get God to love us more than he does right now. Reflect on your freedom this weekend. Father, we love you. And this morning we say thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for seeing us in our sin and making a way out. Thank you for not seeing the mess and the junk that is in our past and that is still in our present and that's going to be in our future. God, I pray that as much as we go this weekend to celebrate that we live in an incredible country, that we would celebrate with joy and overflowing thanksgiving that death has been arrested. God, that you've made us free through Christ and Christ alone. God, help us avoid these traps and these pitfalls of judgment and rules and thinking that we've just got to keep working towards something. When you came down to us and said, here I am, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. God, may we not take our freedom for granted. Father, may we not complicate this. May we just sit in the simple truth of the gospel and celebrate. We love you. We thank you, Father. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Scent.